Welcome back to episode five of Click, a life tech podcast. You've got Swoo here alongside Kai this week. Uh, this week, we're going to cover a few things, a uh, new segment called Clickback, where we circle back on various points from previous episodes, as well as computer monitors, what's the difference between FHD, QHD, 4K, 120Hz, all that jargon, and really zooming in on the home office context, but also what you might look for in other use cases as well. All right, let's get started. Kai, how are you going? Hey, Steve. Uh, this is going to sound really odd, but I guess it's in the theme of 2020, but... I just had a haircut and it that's that was my highlight of the week and it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I've had a haircut. So I guess for everyone's context, we, we live in Victoria and we've just come out of lockdown, um, I think, what, a day ago? Um, and we're all sitting here with about three months worth of hair on our heads, desperate to try to get them cut. I mean, I, I spoke to a mate uh, a couple of days ago who went and got a haircut. I think he lined up for two hours. <laughs> Jeez, wow. It's desperate. Yeah, and cause he didn't make a booking. I mean, I haven't ventured out of them. I've still got this massive, ridiculous ball of hair on my head. But um, no, it's really good that you managed to get out. Yeah. Now, my hairstylist, um, so I managed to get in early, but then anyone else who tried to book the last couple of days um, weren't successful and the next available is in like late December. So I had to book my second haircut then and there. Yeah, I can't believe it's the start of November or the end of October and start of November. Right? I can't believe we spent almost... Well, we got about a month of freedom, didn't we, between between the lockdown? So yep. we've almost had, what, five months of of being restricted in Melbourne and Victoria, man. What yeah. a waste of a year. <laughs> That's right. But I've got some exciting news as well. I, well, not me, well, the house that I live in, uh, <laughs> just committed to solar panels. Oh, fantastic. How great is that? That's a really good outcome. That's That's probably something we should talk about, to be honest. Yeah, I know. They're not, they're not coming for, I don't know, another month because the installers are a chocolate block because they haven't been able to do anything because of the restrictions. But nah, looking forward to it. I mean, to be honest, it's not going to make much of a difference in my life um, other than the bills. But, you know, it's exciting to know that uh, we'll be generating our own power in, in this house. Yeah, no, it's definitely a cool concept. Um, but yeah, agreed. Like, we, we should definitely look into it. Um, I think I've, I've tried to look into it a couple of times, but it's, it's quite... A confusing process in terms of what you need to look out for and how you can actually engage and you know get the right subsidies here in Victoria. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, um, we went through the process and very much guided by the installer more than anything for better or for worse. Um, they made it relatively simple. I mean, I-, I didn't bother looking into you know the different types of panels or different brands or I think the other thing it's called an inverter or whatnot. I, I don't know how it all works. All I know is that we're going to get panels on our roof. Something's <laughs> going to convert it into electricity, and our bill should hopefully be smaller. Sounds good. Yeah. And with the government incentives, it's actually relatively uh, little investment on our end. So, you know, relatively happy yeah, with that. Yeah, so no, I'll let you know how that goes. It really shortens the payback period with the government incentives. So, it's definitely something you, sh- you should yeah, definitely take advantage of. Yeah, because they've basically given, well, the Victorian state government has given everyone an, an, the opportunity to get an interest-free loan yeah. for, for solar panels. So, um, I think it's a really good incentive. I mean, um, you know, solar... I don't know if it's necessarily the way of the future or contribute to the future energy energy um, generation landscape, but um, I think you know every every household getting their own solar panels goes a long way in the future. All right, 
Let's move into clickback. So shall we give a quick intro into what this this segment is? So um, I guess this will be a regular segment every um, episode where we circle back on various points from things that we touched on in the past. So this might include follow-up information, answering, clarifying questions, you know, listeners may have had and posed during the week or anything else that we might have missed or wanted to add to the conversation. And so I guess the reason why we wanted to introduce um, this clickback segment, as we've called it, I hope you enjoy that pun, guys, um, is that it really gives us the opportunity to have sort of ongoing conversations about meteor topics that don't really end at a specific episode um especially you know when one episode or segment doesn't give the topic enough justice or it doesn't give you guys enough time to sort of listen in add your own input and just have that dialogue that we want to be having um on on, on this podcast as well yeah and it's it's a really opportune moment for you to introduce us back um what this concept steve given that i think since we've had our recording of the episode around um headphones and earphones i've constantly been thinking back and you know looking you know reading reviews again and looking at what what what's available in the market just to understand what options are out there what would i do if i was about to you know jump into the market again um so yeah de- you know definitely keen to to talk more about it so i think this is this is a really good concept so kai you've changed your mind apparently on the iphone i <laughs> I think I have. Um, that that's the other thing that that's kind of just been stuck in my head for the last week. You know, trolling through countless of YouTube reviews and and um and you know spec sheets, etc. Just to understand, you know, what, whether I want the iPhone 12 or the iPhone 12 Pro, and I'm just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Initially, when the iPhones launched, I thought, yes, the 12 is closer to the 12 Pro, so that's going to make the decision easier. It actually made it harder, I think. <laughs> They're basically the same phone this year. That that's the thing. They're basically the same phone. You know, the difference is uh, you know, the construction, which you know, it, it's pe- people on two. There's there's two distinct camps around um, what people like. You know, with the stainless steel and the aluminium um, frames, and then the other differences are around the camera and the lidar sensor as well. Um, so th- those are all nice to haves for me, but at the same time. The price difference isn't exactly significant, so it's more like, what, what do I do? <laughs> well, 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 what are you, what are you coming from again, right? Like, I don't even remember what is it, iPhone, what? It's original. A, it's an iPhone SE. No, I'm joking. It's a, it's a, um, it's iPhone six, so it is very old. Um, so any upgrade is an upgrade is a really significant upgrade. <laughs> I was just going to say, you could buy any of these and you'd be off to the races. You'd think, oh my God, I'm in the future. This thing actually works. Yeah, no, ex- exactly right. And and I think this, te- this says more about um, my f- my preference for a phone, which is something that's that's stable and sturdy. And that's something that's going to last me for a long time because I, I don't use my phone a lot. It's really just there when I need it. And so I'm okay to keep it going for a while. Um, so I don't, I, I don't actually mind paying a little bit more if it's going to last me that that much longer. Um, be it a, a better camera that that's going to take nicer photos in the long run. Well, if you're looking for something that's going to last you a bit longer, the, I mean, it is marginal, and ideally you're not going to be dropping your phone anyway. But the 12 versus the 12 Pro, so the aluminium versus the stainless steel band. From what I've seen on on I guess recent drop tests and reviews that I've started to filter out um in the YouTube land is that the aluminium one is actually quite soft. It dents quite easily versus the stainless steel one is much more rigid 
but because it's shiny, it scratches easily. So it doesn't seem like there's a clear-cut answer there either. I mean, I, I feel like they've deliberately made this an impossible choice for you. Yeah, no, exactly. So so I did think I did think long and hard about this. Um, you know, the, the stainless steel is going to bug me, um, but more more likely than not, I'm going to put a case over it anyway. So, um, you know, that that's an easy fix. The aluminium, you know, being a bit softer, that that might get to me, but you know, looking back at the iPhone 6, it's the phone's aluminium as well. And it's probably it's probably just as soft, but the issue is I'm not gonna, you know, stress test it as the YouTubers have. Yeah, well as long as you don't put it in the back of your pocket and you we get Ben Gate again, um <laughs> it should be fine. I mean I guess the because the phones are so different, I, I keep telling you, if 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 you're if you're gonna be I guess counting your pennies, go for the twelve. Like this year I can't recommend the pro on its own to to many people at all. It's it's if you're looking for an iPhone this year, it's get the 12. That's that's pretty much the answer. If you're looking for a more expensive iPhone, it's get the Pro Max. Like I, I still feel like the 12 Pro doesn't have a, I don't know, it doesn't have a role in the lineup anymore. Like it's it's a bit odd. So I mean, what you could do, and people people are going to shoot me for saying this, but um, what you could do is buy the 12, see if you like it, if you can live with you know knowing that you don't have one of the cameras and you have a I think worse battery or whatnot, and having an aluminium band. For two weeks, if you don't like a return and buy the pro. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. I, I think the one thing that's kind of lingering in my mind that you know virtually has no use case right now is that lidar um, sensor, and I wonder if that's gonna, you know, if if they're gonna be more use cases down the road with um, it's used for AR as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think that well, AR the the lidar sensor was originally, um, I guess, put in the iPad the iPad Pro for LiDAR purposes, not necessarily portrait or, as Johnny Ive likes to say, portrait mode. <laughs> but um, in, in the iPhone, I guess they pivoted the, pivoted the positioning to be more around the portrait because there's not much... A- Look, the AR scene is still developing. Like It's been there for, what, four or five years now, I think, in, in terms of iOS, but it's still developing and it's still not quite there yet. Um, the jury's still out on whether VR or AR will take off first or, or explode bigger, but... um. You know, I honestly think the LiDAR piece is, I hate to use the word, but, but almost a gimmick. I, I think it's a non-factor. I think I think it doesn't matter whether you, you whether you want the LiDAR. Like, the LiDAR is not going to make much of a difference no matter how you use it, unless you're using AR. And I know you, you're, I don't think you're going to use AR. So that's why I still think the 12 is better value. But like you said, the incremental price difference, especially when you're looking at it, um, I guess, par for par, so the same storage level across the two, across the 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 12 and the 12 pro it's not that much different so i don't know i'm flip-flopping here so i'm not helping you at all yeah yeah no that that's right and i've been flip-flopping all week um i think ultimately um given the the foamers that i tend to have with, with these things and you know i am looking forward to this upgrade given that the last time i did buy a new phone was back in i think it was 2014 on launch day um definitely i think yeah i'm definitely will well, not definitely. I probably will lean towards the iPhone 12 Pro. Well, to be honest, the most disappointing thing that I've seen this year is you not ordering or pre-ordering one for launch day. <laughs> Look, I haven't been able to because I'm getting. I want the Max, but you know, come on, Kai. It's part of the tradition. You've got to, you know, either line up outside of stores in a COVID-safe way, or <laughs> sit there at your computer at midnight and pre-order. That's part of the thing. Well, there's, there's really no rush given that I am at home. My phone's constantly plugged in. I. I don't use it because I'm at home. I'm in front of my computer all the time now. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting it in the next couple of days and actually playing around with iOS 14. No, you're so boring. 
So, I've done a bit of a U-turn on MagSafe now. Uh, last episode, I said it was the stupidest thing ever. I, I think I called it a gimmick, and the more that I think about and look at the new line of iPhones, I think I might have to... This is probably going to be the first time you've ever seen me do it, Kai, back down on my original position um, after thinking about it for, for the last week or so. I don't know. I, I'm still flip-flopping now, the more that I think about it. I mean, I called it a gimmick, but I think MagSafe has the... I mean, it, it's... Like I said last time, it's going to be the start. Well, it's the end of the lightning port. Um, and I think it's the precursor to um, the first portless iPhone that we'll see. I mean, they, they aggressively got rid of the headphone jack um, a couple years ago. And I think they're going to get rid of the lightning port. Here's, here's a bold prediction for people to remember. They're not going to get rid of it for the 2021 iPhone. I think they'll maintain the lightning port and the MagSafe combo for 2021. I think 2022 is when they'll eventually swing the axe um, and get rid of MagSafe. But looking at how they've applied it, so it's not just charging. They've got the accessories. They've got the faster charging um, in terms of, I think it's 15 watts. So it's a faster charge rate versus, you know, traditional Qi charging. I think MagSafe could turn out to be one of the, you know, not sexy features of the year, but one of the most, I guess, well-adopted features and, and most well accepted from from the consumer perspective yeah and I, th- I think if you if you look at what's already out in the market it's not it's not overly different from your chi chargers um and you know the, the other tech bloggers have tried using um or putting the android phones onto the MagSafe and it works so you know it, it's not too dissimilar um and look it's it's fundamentally a wireless charger but it's not really it doesn't give you that wireless fidelity of being able to charge your phone while you're actually using it. So it's actually a bit more constraining than anything, right? So for me, it's actually very similar to you plugging your phone in to your lightning port whilst charging. Um, it's just as restrictive. It's not actually really providing any anything new there. Yeah, well, that was a, that's one of the biggest gripes about the current wireless charging scene before MagSafe. It was like, you know, you can't use your phone while you're charging, right? So it's it's hard to use that as your primary charging device but i guess the way wireless charging has taken off i guess in recent years is more of a, of a desktop sort of standby top-up sort of charging scenario rather than oh end of the night i want to put this on my wireless charger because it takes longer to charge it you know if you put it down the wrong way it doesn't charge properly and i think that's the key problem that magsafe tried to solve in that like if you put it on there, it clicks into place. It's always going to charge unless something's wrong with the cable. Yeah, no, that, that's right. I can definitely see the convenience of it. Say, if, you know, your car had um, a wireless charging, uh, what's it called? It's not a port. It's, it's effectively a tray, right? So you kind of just lay your phone down there and it just automatically charges. And you don't need your phone, so you don't really need it to be wireless. Right? It's just handy that you don't need to get a cable and kind of find the lightning port and plug it in. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder, given you said the car context, how CarPlay is going to work in the future if they move to a portless iPhone. Uh, that's also why I think they won't swing the axe on the lightning port just yet. They've got to give it a little bit more time for MagSafe to get a bit more um, traction in the market. But, I mean, my the CarPlay in my car is wireless, which is great. But I know I think mine's one of the very few cars that have wireless CarPlay, I think the ones that I've seen, um, yeah, around the golfs and, and yeah, most yeah, the, the the golf that we have, you need to plug it in. You can't have it wireless. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how whether they integrate data transfer into MagSafe as well, whether they end up sticking the the smart connector on there as well or integrating it. But um, I think it's actually a pretty cool. I won't call it an innovation, but um, it, it's very Apple, right? They take an existing technology. And they put their own spin on it and almost turned it, well, they have turned it almost pretty much proprietary, but it, it's 
they don't have to be the first. They have they they really try and be the best. And I guess when they introduced wireless charging to the iPhone lineup a couple of years ago, I was still like, I don't have a wireless charger. I was like, well, why do I want this? That they never really sold me on it. Versus now, this feels a bit like a bit more of a compelling proposition. But again, I'm still like, mm, I don't know if I need a wireless charger, but it looks cool and I want to try it. Yeah. So I think it's been about a month since we spoke uh, about headphones and what we should use, I guess, in the office context that we spoke through in episode three. So we wanted to quickly flag to listeners who still might be in the market for headphones or earphones. Um, Bose have released their quiet comfort earbuds. I think at the time, I think they were rumored they hadn't been fully released yet. Um, but they've actually come to market now and released them. We haven't personally tested them between us and, you know, but we wanted to make sure that we, I guess, flag this with you guys so you guys have this in your consideration set if you guys are in the market for, I guess, wireless earphones. Yeah, that's right. I, I guess a bit probably be worth um, to do a quick recap. Um, so, you know, when, when we had a chat the other day um, about you know, your mate's context around, um, you know, a noisy work environment and they're looking for some something to block out there. Um, yeah, out the background noise, the ambient noise. Um, so, so you know, we introduced the concept of over-ear headphones, uh, which I think we landed on the recommendations of you know the, either the Bose QC35s version two, so that's the latest on the market, um, and that was um, you know coupled with the other recommendation that we had was around the Sony WH1000XM4. The Sony letter collection of numbers and yeah, letters. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so you'll notice that they're still selling the previous generation, which is the WH1000XM3. Um, and you know, we've I've I've read in in depth between the XM3 and the QC35s from Bose, and I think the difference between the two would be um, the noise cancelling is better on the QC35s, but the sound quality is better on the the thousand XM3s. Um, and from what I've read with the new XM4s, so let's start again, Sony WH. 1000 xm4 is that they've actually improved their noise cancelling so um you know if you want that if you wanted the best of both worlds um, that's something to consider obviously it's a bit more expensive now because it's the latest and the greatest um but on the plus side the last gen xm3 which is still very good pair of headphones um they're a lot cheaper now and then we also looked into the in-ear monitors. So we looked at the wireless ones. So again, a quick reminder, in-ear monitors are the ones that actually go into your ear rather than the sit outside your ear. So um, they provide passive noise cancellation or noise isolation where they you know physically block out noise from coming in, um, well, from, from uh, ambient noise from, from coming into your ear canals. Um, and I think we landed on, you know, if you wanted... If you wanted wireless ones, um, you know, you should consider the AirPods Pro if you're in the app, Apple ecosystem, given that, um, you know, it, it just works. It works really well and it's a really good pair of headphones. If you're not and you wanted to consider other brands, um, the Sony, bear with me, WF-1000XM3, truly wireless noise cancelling in-ear headphones. Um, they've actually received really, really good headphones Um earphones reviews um i've never tried them i was very close to to purchasing them um but i think what threw me off was that it wasn't water resistant um so that might be an issue if you know you're, you're outside and it rained or if you're working out and you get really sweaty um that that might be a warranty issue i don't know how much that matters because i remember with um Sorry, just to quickly chime in. My original AirPods, they weren't water resistant either, but in the rain, they were fine. When I went running, I mean, I saw like my ears sweat. Well, maybe them do. I don't know, but they were fine. But anyway, just wanted to throw that in there. 
Yeah, that, that's right. I don't think it's a key concern, but it was just weird that they didn't put that in as a functionality compared to um, or a feature compared to all the other competitors. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, you, I don't think you'll go wrong with the Sony WS One Thousand XM Three. I've I've had really good things about the sound quality, um, and Black Friday's coming up, so you know the price point should be fairly competitive in the next couple of weeks. Cool. So. That was a much longer recap than I wanted, but effectively, you know, we wanted to come back and talk about the Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds, uh, which I'm personally quite excited about. Um, I don't know if I'll end up jumping on it, but um, I used to have the Bose Quiet Comfort Twenties, so the QC Twenties. They're the wide uh, noise cancelling earbuds, so they actually go into your ear, um, and they were they were amazing to travel with because they're they're small, they're compact, and their noise cancelling is really really good. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the best earphones that I've had um, in terms of the noise cancelling capabilities. So it was really good to travel with. Um, this Quiet Comfort earbuds is similar in design in terms of how it fits on your ear, so it it doesn't actually go too deep into the canal. It actually sits just outside, um, and you know they're claiming to be this to be a Quiet Comfort series um, worthy product. So you know you'd expect the noise cancelling to be fairly good. Yeah, from what I've seen and the, I guess the couple of reviews that I've seen online, there haven't been too many because in, we're in the middle of Techtober and it's phone, device, everything season where everyone just seems to be pushing everything out. But um, I guess they've rated pretty well in terms of noise cancelling. I think people have put them up against like in terms of quality right up there with the AirPods. The one thing I think that it's falling down on is battery life. I think against the six hours, it's not fully coming up against that. But even then, no one really like earbuds generally at least from my perspective, are a bit more of a portable listening device rather than a sit-down at a desk. Oh, but, you know, I use them for both. I use my AirPods for my desk work as well. Um, but even then, you, you don't really sit down for six hours straight, right? You, you sit down maybe a couple of hours, get up, go for a walk, get some water, have a drink, go talk to someone, sit back down, put your earphones back in. So I think as long as the charging case has enough, enough juice to, to uh, I guess, bridge that gap, then it should be fine. Yeah, uh, I think the one thing to note would be it, what you're using it for, though. So if if you are still if you intend on using this while you're traveling, so you want to you know put in these earbuds and go to sleep, um, you do want it to last longer than six hours, especially when you're in Australia, where you know it takes you know six hundred hours to get to anywhere offshore. It takes a hundred hours uh, to get <laughs> off out of the country. Yeah, exactly right. So um, because of that, you know, you, you do need to put that into consideration, and that's I think the the main concern for me in terms of you know the the new generation yeah you know, wireless earbuds being AirPods Pro or anything else they don't really last that long yeah yeah and the one thing I think about I guess with all these wireless things coming out um is that for them to be so compact these batteries aren't that replaceable I mean what happens at the end of these like they what reasonably they last two or three years right maybe you can get five or six years out of them depending on how you use it but after two or three years there's millions and millions of airpods out there that are just going flat that i don't even know how i don't even know if you can recycle them i haven't actually looked into it from apple's perspective but even with that combined with all of these other like bose's earbuds and i think you know, even just big headphones from Bose as well and Sony, you know, Jabra's got those earbuds as well. Like there's a lot of stuff and little plastic here that's, I don't know where it's going to end up. It's it's just going to the landfill. Like they, these are effectively disposable tech because they, you, you know, you're not going to bring it to Apple and say, can you replace a battery? They're going to be like, yeah, right, buy a new one. Um, so yeah, they, these become consumer, like these become something with a definite um, kind of lifespan. 
definitive quantifiable lifespan. Um, whereas, you know, if you had your earphones with um, your traditional 3.5 mm plug that actually plugs into something, you can actually use it without battery and that actually lasts forever effectively. Surely there's a way to recycle the batteries. <laughs> there's a business idea if someone's listening. Look, I'm, I'm sure there is. And I'm sure, you know, as part of Apple's recycle program, you could probably give the tech back to them and they'll find a way to use recycle them or you know, refurbish them and sell them back to you for 300 bucks um but you know it's it's also a question of how many people actually are aware of it and actually do it yeah the question is yeah, how many people care i mean people will say they, they'll give you lip service and then when push comes to shove you know look at their actions i'll just throw it in the bin yeah that's right going back to the quite comfy earbuds though um the other thing that i've read that that maybe a concern for you know if you're thinking of buying buying a pair would be the size of the the earbuds itself that sticks out of your ear. So um, you know, looking at the dimensions, they're actually quite big. So they're actually bigger than the Sony WF one thousand XM threes. We need a new name for that stuff, by the way. <laughs> we definitely yeah, they need a marketing division. That's what they need. Um, yeah, so so they have a bigger kind of. Piece. It's like a it's like a hockey puck, right? If you think about it, that kind of just sits outside of yeah, because that's the tech that that needs to be there for your yeah you know, for your sound to trim, transmit through Bluetooth. So that's a lot bigger than well, it's it's marginally bigger than the Sony's, um, you know. And if you believe the rumors of the second generation AirPods Pro that's coming out likely in twenty twenty, they're actually trying to you know get rid of the stem. So it's it's kind of moving in the opposite direction. I like the stem, but anyway. But yeah, you're right. It is pretty... I'm looking at a photo now. We'll put a link in the show notes um, so everyone can find them. But like, I guess the best thing I can compare the size to in terms of length is um, for those who ha- remember the, the, the iPhone X or the XS, the, the camera bump kind of looks like that, but not a, like it's much wider. So it's, almost, it's about that length, I think. Surely it's bigger. I don't know. It's about there, I think. It's not. I can't tell. It's hard to tell. This lady's face. She's having way too much fun listening to this music. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just a couple of things things to think about. You know, as in terms of the physical dimension of it, I'm sure the sound quality would be good. I'm sure that active noise cancelling will be good as well, given that it's Bose and the you know they're industry leaders on this. Um, yeah. So be interested to you know if anyone's tried them out, be interested to hear about it. Yeah. If anyone if anyone's tried them. You know, drop us a link, drop us an email, drop us a tweet. You know, we're keen to have a chat with you or hear what you guys think about them. Hear, hear about them. All right, so let's get stuck into home monitors. We've, I guess, context is that we've all shifted to working from home over the last six months. Us in Victoria, we're just starting to ease our restrictions like we touched on before. But I guess whilst we are going back to somewhat of a normal lifestyle and being able to go outside, see friends, see family and, you know, dine out, working from home isn't probably going to be going away anytime soon. Even once we get a vaccine, assuming we get one, and I guess we move to a post-COVID norm, um, I think it's undeniable that we're all going to be working from home a little bit more, you know, if if we want. Um, I think a lot of workplaces will allow that flexibility. I personally do not want to work from home. Get me out of here as soon as I can. But I think um, it's really important that we we talk about this um, home monitors in this context because, um, you know, it's still so surprising how many people don't have dedicated um, monitors, even though we're all working from home full time right now. Yeah, yeah, and and on that note, I, I truly believe that there is a role for you know working from home a bit more, even in a post COVID environment. 
um, I recently spoke to someone who who's had the foresight, you know, before we went into the second phase lockdown, where she and her family effectively decided, you know, they they don't need to work from an office anymore. So um, they they effectively moved into the countryside, bought a house, and decided, you know, they'll um, even if they do work in the city, they'll commute like you know two two three days a week, and then spend the rest of the time in the countryside. And I was like, that's that's visionary. I should have seen that coming. Cool. So home home monitors. Um, yeah, I definitely think that there is value in buying one. Um, especially you know if you don't have one, that's um, you know, definitely go out and buy one soon because there are a lot of benefits, not from just a a productivity perspective, but it's actually really important for um, you know your your physical health. Given given that you are staring at a screen for long hours, you know if you're staring at your laptop screen for hours, you're going to strain your eyes. It's going to deteriorate really quickly, um, and also your posture as well. So your back's going to hurt more because you know you're staring to a small screen that's probably not at the right eye level. Um, so I definitely recommend going to the monitors, uh, well, getting a monitor. Um, but yeah, it, it is a confusing it is a confusing concept though because there's so many different types of monitors in terms of you know panels, brands, and resolutions, and um, you know th- there's just so many things to think about, um, and the price can vary quite a lot. You know, you can look at a a 27 inch or a 24 inch monitor, and you know, the price can go from 150 bucks to two thousand dollars. You know, so so where does it end? You know, what should you think about? I think it'd be really good to just flash that all out. I can buy a TV for less than two thousand dollars, man. About like you know three times that size. Yeah, exactly. And that that's the other that's the other thing to think about, right? Because people think, oh, you know, you know, given the price of monitors, they might as well buy a TV. Um, but there, there's actually quite a big difference between um, a TV and a monitor. You know, depending on what you use it for. Especially if you're working from home, you do want the sharper resolution that a monitor provides because you are reading text from it um, at a fairly close distance. Whereas a TV. Um, you know, it's you know you're watching it from a couple of meters away. You're not reading sharp text of it, so you don't actually need that sharp resolution. Not fair. And you're right. It's all about how you use it, right? Because TVs are designed a partly because of their size, but b because of the content that you put on there to to watch from a distance. Versus and much more passive, right? You're not interacting with the TV when you're watching. Like you're sitting there, it's showing you the content. That's it. You're not moving your mouse. You're, even if you're using a remote, you can't see what you're doing. It's just, something's just changing on the screen versus when you're using it, um, I guess, hooking it up to a computer or a laptop, you're actively moving a mouse. You're actually actively typing. And so there's, it's a very different use case um, that I think we need to, that, that that's worth pointing out. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, on, on second thought, there's probably benefit outside of your working your working arrangements as well um you know thinking thinking back at the tech we have these days we have an ipad where you can do almost everything on these days you can you know do your banking you can book your next holiday on your ipad um, you can record a it, podcast no jokes you, we're not doing it on yeah. the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> no you definitely can um but it, it's probably not not a good thing to be doing for long hours you know if you're sitting in front of your couch booking for flights or looking through you know different hotel options um it's actually really bad for your posture in your neck if you're constantly looking down um and you know the, the right thing you should be doing is actually surfing on on a on, on your desk with a proper monitor so you, you're you're not straining your eyes and you're not you know you know in a bad position yeah, the strain of your neck of just constantly, like, whether it's a phone or an iPad, looking down. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physio. So I don't have any sort of medically informed opinion, but surely that can't be good. I don't think, I think, I don't think our necks are designed to do that. And I think, you know, that goes back to if you're using a laptop on a table or a desk rather than a screen that's at your eye level, your head inherently looks much further down than natural position. 
And then I guess over time, especially during a long day, you end up hunching over and it's not good for your back either. And as someone who's just gotten a, a much more, I guess, supportive desk chair, like my neck and back pains have pretty much disappeared just because just it sort of cradles me that way. And I think a lot of people who I guess are uncomfortable um, in the way that they currently work, you know, something just doesn't feel right when you're working from home because you're only using a laptop and looking down rather than having a, a proper monitor set up. Um, I think this will go a long way in trying to help that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I definitely learned it the hard way. And that, that meant, you know, spending lots and lots of time with the physio trying to fix my back. Um, and that's with, you know, bad posture, incorrect monitor height, and, you know, just spending lots and lots of time in front of a monitor and, you know, ending up slouching and not being aware of my posture. So hopefully we can pass in some wisdom and avoid some, you know, back pain for our listeners. Cool. So... In terms of monitors and what you need to think about, um, there, there's a couple of things. And, and look, it's I'll go through all of it, um, but then I think what's easiest is I'll actually just talk about what's, what's important. Um, so you have your size, which is the, the actual monitor size. So that's usually measured you know, um, diagonally from one end to the other, fr- from, say, the bottom left point of the screen to top right end of the screen. Uh, the typical sizes you have... Um, which you'd probably see at work would be 24 inch um, to 27 inch. You're probably more, yeah, you'd probably, you'd probably see 24 inches um, to be the more common size. And you, you know, typically in an office, you would have two of those with a, with a uh, monitor stand that brings them together. Yeah. Smaller size is okay. If you've got two of them. Yeah, that's right. So 24 and 27 inches, that's, that's um, the, the more common ones that you see in a workplace. Um, nowadays, you know, in, in some offices in some of the more modern offices I've seen, these 34 inch widescreen curved monitors and they're they're absolutely stunning um but you know if you're ready to splurge that that is definitely the way to go the second thing is resolution so so the resolution um obviously the higher the number um of pixels in a screen the sharper it gets um but there will be limits um that i would recommend for you know certain screens screen sizes so for example uh for a 27 inch monitor you wouldn't ideally want to go past the 2k kind of resolution um, because at 4k you're going to have to scale your images and then that makes the text actually um, blurry so it's not it's not ideal so we'll also talk about that you know size to resolution kind of balance i think the other thing about resolution just just to chime in there is i guess what are you using it for and and what's the i guess if we're talking about i guess work monitors what is your job like if your job is very text heavy I personally would say you don't need a high resolution screen, like a pretty basic, not low res, but a moderately, uh, a moderate res um, screen uh, that isn't 4K, it isn't 2K, you know, even something below that um, will serve your needs versus if you're a, uh, an architect or a graphic designer, something, someone that needs visual and, and needs that actual visual detail on the screen because your job actually depends on it, then it's worth, I guess, bumping up to, to um, um, the more high res um, screens. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, the third one's refresh rate, so that that's effectively, um, you know, how I feel like that's the least important one, right? Basically, how in in a, in a second, how quickly does your screen change? Um, what's on screen, and so I think our eyes can only handle what 100, 120 hertz. So one hundred twenty, one hundred twenty times that the screen changes. Um, I think most. TVs are 30 or 60 hertz now, but I think this is the least important one, especially in the home office. The one, I guess the key message here, at least from me, and we're keen to hear what you think is, um, I guess, don't, if, if you're buying it for a home office context, 
don't listen to the marketing lingo about refresh rate. It, it does not matter in this context. Yeah, that's right. I think most monitors um, at, at the minimum will have 60 hertz um, refresh rate and that, that's pretty much you know the minimum you're going to get. And that's actually just good enough for, for working from home. Uh, you'd really only venture up to your 120 hertz or your 144 hertz kind of faster refresh rate um, if you're gaming. But that, that you know really lifts the price up into the next category. And I think that's only if you're a, a a good gamer and b someone who's competitive as well. Like, and when I mean competitive, like you're you're actually competing, not you know you're competitive isn't like I have to win. Competitive, like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's a lot like like you like you touched on the jump in price from like what it was a sixty to one twenty is. I personally don't think it's worth it. I play games, but I I don't I can't justify that to myself. Yeah, it also depends what games you play. So you know if you're playing chess. Um, if you're playing chess or League of Legends, where it's um, hey, yeah, League of you, Legends, you need a good <laughs> refresh rate, buddy. You probably you probably don't compared to to a first person shooter where everything moves a lot quicker. That's hey, where you I've got the whole the screen rate. and map and fireballs <laughs> thrown at me. It's a, it's an yeah. intense game, much more intense than Counter Strike, man. Hey, look, some some people even say they need 120 hertz for Excel. All right, so you know, horses for courses. It's all personal <laughs> preference. Um, but if you're working from home, 60 hertz is more than enough. Pedal types, the next thing you should think about. Um, yeah, there's, there's three main pedal types in the industry. There's your TN panels, there's your VA panels, and there's your IPS panels. Uh, they are, I wouldn't worry too much about what they actually are unless you know, you're a graphic designer or you actually need to work with accurate colors. Um, ideally, you want to get IPS because they have the nicest colors um, and you can get them at you know, relatively competitive price points now nowadays. Um, your TN panels are typically your cheapest and I would avoid them with, um, yeah, with, with as much as I can. You're trying to find a metaphor there. I'm you trying couldn't. to find a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so TN panels... Um, you know, I think usually you meant like the plague. Yeah, like the plague. That's that's a good one. I would avoid them like the plague, um, because you know you, you'll see that the cheaper panels on the market now would be typically TN panels because they're they're the older gen panels that, um, yeah, that that's just it was just a more attractive price point for the mass market. So that that's why, um, yeah, that's why they they still make products that are TN panel based. Um, but ideally, you'd, you'd want to focus more on the VA or the IPS panels. The last one is the flat versus curved. Um, I'm I'm in two minds about that. I haven't really seen a use case that's that's compelling enough for for a curved monitor. All right, here's my take. So the flat ones usually like that's your standard screen, right? It's a yep. it's a wide screen. The curved ones are usually. I'm going to call them super wide, right? So yep. it's much longer in terms of horizontal length than it is taller, and I think. So I think the main use case that they're selling them on is really right now around gaming, I think, because it, you know, it kind of wraps around, you can turn your head, especially for first person shooters, it feels a bit more natural. I think it's, I think it's stupid, but um, what I've seen curved um, screens used for in an office context is rather than having two small screens or smaller screens, you have one long curved one and you use that as essentially two screens. And I guess with the, the windowing and whatnot of Windows or Mac OS or whatever, or whatever you're using, um, you, that almost replicates two screens in one. And it looks much more elegant, but curved screens are so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's right. So, so uh, agree. So for your long widescreen monitors, I agree that there is a place for curved screens because the idea is that you don't, you don't need to tilt your head as much to be able to see the full screen. 
So, so I get that, but I'm starting to see monitors, well, they've always been in the market, but I'm starting to, to stumble upon monitors where they're the your typical, you know, 32 inch or 27 inch kind of dimension. So they're not widescreen in any means, but they are curved. And so I kind of struggle to see the point of those because you can already see. Yeah, it's it's definitely more gimmick than anything. Um, but yeah, definitely if you if you can get your hands on a thirty four screen, you know, thirty four inch wide screen, definitely get that curved. Um, and I would definitely recommend that for you know if if you have the cash to splurge because it's 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 quite cool. They're really cool, but the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna contradict myself here. I because uh, I um I've not used it, but I've tried a super wide screen. Um, before and I thought it was great in terms of being able to have document like basically split your screen in half in a way that you can't with a normal I guess um, single screen but I, I feel like I feel like it's still better having two smaller screens rather than having one big long one just the way that especially Windows compartmentalizes the two screens just makes it a little bit easier to deal with but yeah I don't know I haven't used it in in, in detail I, I agree with you. I think that's where I would go as well. Um, you know, if I wanted a long screen, I'd probably get two 24 inches and, and put a, um, you know, lock it up in a in a monitor arm because I still prefer having two dis, you know, distinct screens because I tend yeah. to do different things on my um, monitor monitors when I'm, when I'm working. Um, and it's cheaper as well. 24-inch monitors are pretty cheap these days. Yeah, so I guess that that gets into what, what I want to ask you is, I guess, what what are we looking at? You like, what, if you had to for a if you had to define a typical office user, so someone that's a bit, I guess, um, not a graphic designer, so you know, primarily uses Microsoft Office Suite, typical sort of sits in an office um, person. What's the, I guess, if you had to pick a um, everyday size, resolution, panel type, flat versus curve, what what are we talking about here, and, and what are we looking at in terms of price? Yeah, so I think there's probably about four combinations to consider. Um, the first one is, you know, if you just want a simple setup, um, you know, start with a 24-inch screen because it's a relatively low investment um, to 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 you know get it set up, and that's um, and I'd be looking at your IPS screen ideally um, at the full HD resolution. So that that's your pretty that's a pretty standard setup. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. You know, if you're looking at 24 inch, they usually come in, in your full HD, uh, resolution and, you know, look out for IPS and you can get them pretty cheap these days. I think around 200 bucks, the, you know, a couple of brands to look out for, I guess, before we, we dive into this, um, you know, Dell makes really good monitors, um, with really good customer service and really good colors. Um, and I would, I would say they're probably the leading standard, um, industry standard. So, you know, if you can afford it, they do go on sale fairly often. Um, again, Black Friday is coming up. Um, yeah, I'd keep an eye out on those. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're on Oz Bargain, there's a couple of people that constantly call Dell up to ask for group buy deals. So, you know, if you keep your eye out long enough, you're going to be able to find a pretty good deal to to clinch on. Yeah, f- first thing I'd try would be that 24-inch um, full HD IPS uh, monitor. Um, also think about where the monitor sits on your desk as well. So, you know, ideally ergonomically, you want to be able to sit probably like half a meter to a meter away from from your eyes. Um, and you want it at a height where your eyes are looking at the top third of the screen, I think, quoting my physio friend when I was, um, you know, seeking advice around what the ergonomic position is. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at monitors, some will have proper stands, some don't. So if you don't, if you don't have a proper stand that, you know, can tilt or pivot or um, have height adjustments, then you might have to think about a, a separate monitor arm to to get those functionality. They're fairly cheap. They're about 30 to 50 bucks these days. Um, but if you're going to get a monitor arm, 
you just need to make sure that they your monitor supports like VESA mounts as well to be compatible with that monitor arm. Yeah, and the one the one thing I would add um is I guess in terms of thinking about your where it's gonna sit is how deep is your desk? Big screens are great, but big screens are designed to be to be looked at from further away. And so if you have a quite a shallow desk, yeah, the worst thing you can actually do is get a huge screen because you're gonna a be moving your head around and turning it just to look at every corner of the screen, and then b I think a lot of people actually get headaches when they're looking at a, a big screen too close. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. So, um, you know, in most homes where, you know, not everyone has a huge desk uh, with uh, the depth to work with, um, I would definitely recommend starting with that 24-inch and see how you go. Um, it is a bit of a learning curve, um, but, you know, you can never have too many. You can have enough, you can never have enough monitors anyway. So, um, you know, try it out. You know, the, the, the second combination would be to have two 24-inch monitors. So that gives you quite a wide screen and still two separate monitors to work on. So you can have, you know, Chrome on one end and Facebook on the other, um, depending on how you want to, you know, how productive you are during the day. Um, and if you're really OCD about it, you can get two exact same ones. So it's just like your workplace. Um, and then you could get a, a monitor arm to, to bring them both together. Um, you'll see monitor arms where there's, um, you know, there are dual monitor arms where it supports. So one arm supports both monitors. And then you'll see ones that only support one monitor. Um, from what I've heard and I've, the, from the ones, yeah, from, from what I've heard with, from people with dual monitor arms is that they they typically are quite flimsy and steve the ones that we have at work they work quite well but i assume they're actually quite expensive um so you know if you're looking for a budget monitor arm i would actually recommend getting two single arms um at the 30 to 50 dollar price point and you know the doubly steady that gives you they give you a lot more flexibility in how you want to position your screens as well yeah, I personally hate arms. They look ugly, and they make it look like a, a a really ugly desk. But you know, each to their own. I like my Mac. It doesn't need an arm, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and the other benefit of an arm uh, would also be space savings. So you don't actually have a stand that sits on your desk, and so you you know you can hide your monitor, your keyboard underneath it when you're not using, it, and that kind of frees up your space to you know sketch on paper or you know whatever you need your desk for. Yep, so we've covered one 24-inch, two 24-inches. For me, the optimal size for a work-from-home kind of arrangement would be a 27-inch monitor. Is that what we have? Um, No, we have 32 inches. So I've got a 32-inch, but that's because I've got a really wide desk. Um, If if anyone's wondering, we've got the ViewSonic VX3276 2K 32-inch WQuad HD IPS monitor. Jeez, Um, you should work for Sony. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, because we have relatively large desks, um, we decided 32 inches was, was good. Sorry, I also did not pick my screen. He, he, <laughs> he had one already. I had no idea what this, this look, this landscape looked like, um, when Kobe hit. So I was like, all right, here's money. You go pick one for me. And oh, now I have a ridiculously large screen on my desk. Yeah, I've got a couple of viewsighting monitors. Um, actually, you know, on the, on the, on the topic of brands and I'm actually quite impressed with them. Um, I've they they have pretty nice colors um and I've been pretty lucky with the Pixel jackpot so to go into that um you know I've always I've always been really skeptical when I buy new monitors because um you know when you plug them in the the nightmare is that you'll get one or two dead pixels 
And then, you know, that's, that's going to bug me. That, that should bug you as well. You know, if you're staring at it for many hours a day, a dead pixel is the, the worst thing you could get from a monitor. Um, Kai, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be that person and be like, what's a dead pixel? <laughs> um, so a dead pixel is when, so, so, you know, thinking about how monitors work, they're effectively just little, little light bulbs, right? They're little light bulbs that, that flash up, you know, different lights and, and to, to effectively make up the image that you're looking at your monitor right now. Um, during you know the manufacturing process, during the transport process, there are times where um, it might get knocked or it might get damaged, and so there'll be one part, you know, one pixel that just doesn't light up, or it doesn't light up in the right way. So you'll have like a red, a pixel that's permanently red, regardless of what image you're, you're showing, right? So that's super annoying. Um, especially when you're buying, you know, a brand spanking new monitor. So for me, that's I throw the monitor out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, to me, that's 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 definitely a pet peeve. Um, and what I've learned is different brands will have different dead pixel policy on purchase. So ViewSonic is pretty good. I think for the first probably thirty days, if you have um, even just one pixel that's dead, they're happy to change the whole thing for you. Whereas some brands will say it needs to be a minimum of three pixels or it needs to be a minimum of six pixels, right? And so it just becomes a bit of a, a jackpot, right? What if you have one pixel? That's going to annoy the shit out of me, right? Language, Kai. Going to have to beat that <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. So ViewSonic's pretty good. Um, I've also learned over the years that um, some retailers are really good at honoring um, honoring returns that's above and beyond the policy. So I've bought my monitors from ScorpTech. Um, again, we're, we're not... We're not sponsored by them in any way yet. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I remember going back to them um, because I bought a monitor a couple of years ago and it had a dead pixel. Uh, brought it back to them. You know, they did this, the standard test to make sure that it's actually dead. And then, you know, I was, I was, I was getting quite aggressive in terms of prepping my my defense right you know the australian consumer laws and getting the dead pixel policies up and they're like oh no 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 even if they didn't have a dead pixel policy we we would do it anyway because you know you've bought something new it kind of just needs to work and i was like oh that's really nice so i've I've bought all my monitors from them since then (laughs) yeah and i bought mine from them um no complaints nice people Typically, good, you know, really good service. I haven't had a bad experience with them as well, um, and they're relatively competitive as well. So, jumping back to the combination, so you know, we've, we've spoken about two twenty-four inch monitors. Um, we're talking about twenty-seven inch now, which I think is the ideal size because it's big enough um, where it gives you a lot of screen real estate, but it also doesn't require a large desk. Um, and if you're getting a twenty-seven inch monitor, I would still recommend the IPS um, panel. If you have, you know, if if you're able to afford it, otherwise the VA panel is pretty common as well. Um, but I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't go um, the TN panel. Um, and if you're going for a 27 inch, I think ideally you'd want to go for a 2K resolution. That doesn't mean two thousand dollars, by the way. No, that means two thousand five hundred and sixty by a thousand four hundred and forty resolution. Like, yeah, you really should go work from um, Sony. <laughs> yeah, again, you can you can probably get your 27 inches um, 2K for probably around 300 that's probably the price point you'd be looking at um you'll see cheaper cheaper monitors at um you'll see cheaper 27 inch monitors but they they'll tend to be the full hd resolution ones um so that's yeah look you could probably work out of them that that's probably not going to be the end of the world um and there are a cheap price point it's still a nice screen because it's it's quite a large screen um but if you're going if you know if it bothers you to see pixels then i would i wouldn't recommend getting it um 
yeah, but you can get those, you know, closer to the to the two hundred dollar mark. I guess it really depends on what what you're coming from as well, right? I mean, if if you're coming from a really old low res screen, or if you don't have a screen at home, I think the the full HD, as you said it, the ones where you can see the pixels are fine. But if you're if you've already got a screen, or your the screens at your workplace that you I guess migrated from were pretty high quality, then you probably want to emulate that because you don't you don't want your home workplace to be inferior to your work workplace i said that really badly but like you, you want it to be sort of on par so if they're sort of both equally enjoyable or if you don't like work unenjoyable to work at um and it really depends on where you're coming from yeah yeah and i think it's it's probably also nicer in the eyes though to be honest like i i kind of you know really enjoy looking at my screen because it's it's fairly sharp and um you know if you're going to spend hours working a day look, looking at the screen you probably want something that that's probably you know gentler on the eyes well, now you know how I feel whenever I have to use your phone. <laughs> that thing, yeah. I swear, the pixels are the size of my fist. <laughs> it's just one big pixel. It, you know, no, no, yeah, no that, that, I think that's really helpful. So I guess to summarize there, you said there were four sort of combinations. One was the 24-inch um, for everything, no VA panel, I think. You may have lost me there. Um, IPS, ideally? For all, anyway, yeah. Yep, IPS panel. For all of them. Um, and then the second one is if you go in dual screen, you go two 24 inches. Third combination was if you want a little bit bigger, you can get a 27 inch as well. You probably want to be looking around a 2K resolution um, for that as well. And then what was the fourth one? The fourth one is what we have, Steve. So it's a ah. 32 inch. Um, it's really bizarre to have a 32 inch monitor. Um, well, given that you know back in my day so before you know well you when you were still in high school steve 32 inch tvs used to be an industry standard and now it's just bizarre to have 32 inch monitors um yeah so 32 inch it's really nice it's it's really you know big so you can actually do a lot of things on that one screen um but again i would recommend against it unless you actually have a wide enough wide enough desk and i would say you know if you you're, you're the, the width of your desk needs to be at least a meter yeah and I think for me, the sweet, I mean, as much as I love the 32-inch screen that you recommended and, and pointed me towards, in hindsight, I probably would go for 227 or 224s, like two two smaller ones, just because this is, it's a little big. It's kind of like I'm in a cinema sometimes. But, um, I, you know, I really, I, I think it's really good anyway. It's fine. Um, But you're right. You've got to make sure you have a really, uh, not a really big, but a big enough desk. And most importantly for me, a deep enough desk, because I got a lot of headaches up front because I used to sit quite far into my desk and I sit a bit further away from it now Um, if you're going to go for the big one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Cool. So... Just to just to cap it off on that note, you know, if you need a recommendations on some monitors to look at, um, we'll put post it on the show notes. But um, you know, for for a twenty seven inch, um, what's really hot in the market now is the Dell. Oh, you're gonna murder me for this. The S two seven two one D. I'm gonna ban <laughs> these like alphabet soups on this show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're. I think their recommended retail price is around four twenty nine, um, but they were recently on sale just a week ago, I think, for about two fifty. So you know you you can catch it for a good deal, and it's it's almost Black Friday, so just keep an eye out. And looking at the twenty four inch, I, I guess I don't really have a specific recommendation there. Um, again, you know, have a browse through Dell Dell monitors. They have a whole heap of different. Um, the ser- the series is probably S two four one nine, but they have a whole heap of sub monitors um within that series which you know we'll go into the different 
tilt functionality, whether it actually has height adjustment, et cetera, et cetera. So that, you know, you'll, you'll need to fit that, fit that to your needs. Um, but again, you're looking to spend about two, two, three hundred dollars there. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, especially with the, the, the home monitor market, there's about a thousand different brands and, and retailers that sell these things. If you guys have any questions, feel free to drop us a line either on Twitter or via email. Um, we'll try and get to it, assuming that your, your request isn't urgent, as in you want a response within a day. But, um, yeah, we're happy to field any questions as well, especially if you want, I guess, a, a third opinion on any specific brand or specific model that you guys are looking at. So to wrap that up this week, I think uh, we've all heard enough of the alphabet soup, um, different types of monitors. Kai, that's been really helpful there. I think we might wrap that up there. Um, I'm going to end this on a mandatory plug. Everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on your podcast player of choice. Give us a um, follow on Twitter at ClickCastFM. That's at ClickCastFM. Um, and yeah, if you guys have any feedback or questions or any suggestions topics feel free to drop us a line in our email um, or twitter we'll put that um, in the show notes otherwise thanks everyone